Hello, everyone. Namaste. Welcome to satsang. Welcome to your satsang. Remember, satsang is a very personal experience. On the surface, it looks like there's somebody teaching, asking, uh, answering questions, and there's people answering questions and the like. But that's just what it looks like on the surface. What it's, what's really going on is every individual that's here is looking at their own at the, at the at their own selves they're they're looking for that essential uh, state of inner freedom that um, that is what spirituality is all about it is a communion with yourself because i could say all the true things in the world but if if the truth in you didn't recognize them, right? <laughs> there, there, there'd be no meeting, right? What, whatever comes out of my mouth that is verified and confirmed by you, right? you are the ultimate and final authority. That's, that's the only thing that matters. Right? I was reminded of the quote from recently, just this morning, actually, just kind of came to mind as I was setting this up. The, the quote <coughs> um, from Nizagadatta Maharaj. It's a beautiful quote that has got so much in it that we can learn from. He said, the mind creates the abyss. The heart crosses it. Now, I don't know about you, but even before I begin to ponder it, it just something inside of me just goes, ah, oh. <laughs> We're all familiar with the abyss. What is the abyss? It is this huge gap that seems to exist between myself and others, myself and the life I wish I had, my, myself and my happiness, myself and intimacy, myself and good fortune, my, myself and great opportunities. That's the abyss he's talking about. It isn't some mystical place somewhere. It's nothing abstract. It is that feeling of separation that we have from so many things in our lives, most of the things. And of course, wanting to get to the other side is the heart of desire and, the, and all the effort we put into that, trying to acquire that is one of the, one of the major causes of, of suffering. So what causes this abyss? Where does this abyss come from? Where is this sense of separation coming from? And he answers it quite clearly. The mind creates the abyss. Now, this is interesting. Does that mean that the mind is out there and actually literally constructs a separation? Or is the mind imagining a separation where there actually isn't one? And it, that realization that there really isn't one doesn't come from the mind, it comes from the heart. And I point here, right? You know, if I was pointing the body, it's actually over, it's actually over here somewhere. We, we point, we all do, we all do this because there's this sense of centeredness in the, in the body, which is why they picture the heart chakra there and that, that sort of thing. There's just something about this spot that is alive and intelligent and yet not, um, not what you would call, not intelligent in the way the, the mind would be intelligent. 
It's not planning, it's not assessing, it's not analyzing, it's, it just knows. Right? <laughs> so just to, be, just to be clear, when I use the word mind, I'm not talking about a thing. I'm talking about a collection of thoughts. The way we, we use single words all the time to refer to something that's much bigger and more complex and has a lot of functioning and moving parts. So we talk about the ca our car, my car, and I know what you're talking about, right? But the car is just an incredibly complex thing of all these stuff and moving parts and things that can break and things that go beep and, uh, and the like, right? So the, we use a single word, right? It's as if the, the car is something separate from the functioning that it's illustrating. This is what the Buddhists mean by empty, right? We say car, but where's the car? The car is a temporary collection of things that are put together to behave in a certain way. And you could take the whole thing and break it down and there'd be no car. So the car doesn't have an existence separate from the piece parts that are temporarily functioning. That's what the mind is. The mind is nothing but a collection of thoughts. If there were no thoughts, there'd be no mind, right? So, that, so we often, be, because of the way the mind works, it takes a, a word like car, and the, the the word takes on a meaning as if it if, as if it had any. And so we start thinking of the mind as if it's a thing that is thinking, right? It isn't. There is no thing that is thinking. There's only the flow of thoughts. And you can verify this for yourself. Just look, watch. You can't find a mind, but you can easily find the flow of thoughts. You watch thoughts go by all the time. And like everything else in the universe, uh, the energy that is thoughts forms patterns. You know, the energy of the universe forms patterns. This, these beautiful sunflowers that I made, I moved in position so everybody could see them because they're so, they're so great. <laughs> they're so friendly, right? Um, they're just a particular confluence of energy at a particular moment. This is what's meant by self and no self. There's nothing inherent about it. There's no flower separate from all the piece parts. But there's no. But all the piece parts you know, play together to create what then we call a, at this level as a word, flower, or sunflower, right? Or, or beautiful yellow sun. Sun, sunflower, and so there's a, this this most wonderful, marvelous thing called emptiness. That mind is empty. Right? It, it doesn't mean anything separate from the thing that it represents, which is a flow of thought. Now, what, what he's saying is that particular patterns of thought create an abyss. Right? Not that there's a mind out there, you know, making separation, but thought creates an abyss. So if it's thought that creates an abyss, then where does the abyss exist? It only exists in the thoughts. Does it actually exist separate from those thoughts? No more than the car exists independent of the wheels and the seats and the, and the, uh, the, dash, the dashboard or the, the flower exists separate from the petals and the stem and the, and the center and the piston and all the other, and all the pistol and all the other stuff. So separation, 
between me and whatever is isn't isn't real. It's not it's not an actual fact. It's a thought. Now, if what I am saying registers with you, right, that registering is not happening in the mind. The mind is a secondary thing. It can it's just patterns of thought. And because it's patterns of thought, it has no capacity to assess the worth or quality or truth of any of those thoughts. It's not a thinking thing. It's just a flow of a particular form of energy that happens to be very subtle and appears to be happening inside our heads. It is so, so close that it happens here and so quiet, nobody else can hear it. <laughs> Oftentimes, whew, mercifully. <laughs> So the mind cannot, that is the mind, that is the thoughts cannot assess themselves. They don't think themselves. They're just a vibration of energy any more than the, the wave can assess the ocean. So what does assess a thought, a, a pattern of thought, a flow of thoughts? We, we can go back, oh, wow, what is that? That doesn't make any sense. What is it that can say is, oh, the, the gap between myself and other and, and everything doesn't exist except for a thought about it. And I've been believing that thought. That insight is the heart. Not, it isn't the, the heart like we normally think about it is, as, you know, as, as love and affection and compassion. It is that too, but this is why. <laughs> because it is also wisdom. It is also the discerning eye. It's the, it's the third eye. It's the Buddha eye. It's the Dharma eye that, that, dis, that discerns the nature of all things and is our capacity to know truth. Now notice that knowing is not a thought. It's not, oh, that's a true thought, right? Or that's a, that's a false thought. Right? That itself is not a thought. The insight is not a thought. It can then give expression in thought. That pattern of thought will begin to, will change and begin to express that insight, which has overridden the belief that it has been giving expression to. Remember, beliefs and concepts and ideas operate at a level that are influencing thought. They're not themselves thoughts. This idea that a belief is just a thought you think over, uh, or keep, you keep on thinking, is not really true. Not, not really, it's not true at all, right? Because what is the was it? What is it that keeps that pattern in place? That you would be thinking it all the time, that keep thinking it over and over again. It's because it's a belief. Something holds that in place. You know, if it's going to orbit around something, there's got to be something that it's orbiting around. What it's orbiting around is our belief. And that belief isn't necessarily a thought. It, you can articulate them in thought once they are seen, but they actually operate at a much more quiet level. They're more of an, they're an influence that is something that is, that is seen indirectly. We see it in its effect on things, not, not in its, um, not directly. You can't see it. There's nothing there. It is simply this very silent influence that happens at the level of, of energy, the energetic assumptions, I call it. So 
I'm inviting you all today to cross the abyss. To recognize that everything you call a problem is a problem because your mind has said it's a problem. There's been a thought pattern that keeps defining it as a problem and you've never stopped to ask if that thought it's a problem never occurred to me, would it be a problem? It's such a powerful thing to ask. If something happens, like, oh God, oh, this is such a problem. If that thought, oh, this is such a problem, never occurred to you, would it in fact be a problem? Or would it just be a happening that could be interpreted a million different ways? And then you could just see it's just a happening. And separate from the flow of thoughts that I call a mind, there are no problems. Problems don't exist. The abyss doesn't exist. Not as an actual fact, only as a belief. But anything that is believed deeply enough, right, literally gets believed into expression. It doesn't actually exist, but it shapes our perceptions, the way we see things. So we'll literally see the world through the eyes of that belief and then think we're seeing the world as it is. And say, well, of course, that's what it is. And then somebody else says, well, no, it's not. And then you can, <laughs> you can come to blows <laughs> over the fact that both of you are looking at an illusion, really upset that the other guy isn't in your illusion. Right? No, matter how, no matter how much you love somebody laying in bed at night, when you're dreaming, they can't share that dream with you. It's a very private, subjective thing. So it's been 13 minutes, so I guess I'll, I guess that's all I have to say. I, I invite you all to cross the abyss. And the way you cross the abyss is by being willing to take a step back and examine the flow of thoughts, scrutinize the things that you have believed and say, hmm, is it really true? If the thought about it never occurred, to me? Would this be an, an actual fact that I'm experiencing? If that thought never occurred to me, would it be a problem? <laughs> or is problem just a thought creating an abyss that doesn't exist? So, on with the show. <laughs> Hello, 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 everyone. Oh, I guess I should explain this. <laughs> Where are you, G? Um, actually, I was, um, I'm doing a new course. Um, I did a revision to a book I did a long time ago, an ebook called Healing at the Roots, and it's about EFT and the first chakra or the safety mechanism and inner reconciliation. Um, the book is a free ebook, and I do some exercises for it. Um, but we decided to put together a workshop to go along with it. And that's what I've been doing is working on a workshop and the writing up there is some stuff I've done. I actually got a white whiteboard to do, to do about it. So I'm, I'm sitting in my living room surrounded by a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm not sitting in my normal place where I do a satsang from. Um, but I didn't want to move everything around again. So I just thought, okay, I plopped a chair down here. And, um, and sat down, got my sunflowers on sale at Trader Joe's and, uh, and uh, 
just decided I would do it from here instead. So it is really me. <laughs> it is really me. And in the videos, I actually stand up and I know it's shock a lot of people that I actually do get out of this chair. <laughs> I don't spend, I turn off, you know, I'm done with, done with uh, satsang. I turn it off and I just sit here and hope somebody brings me something to eat. So anyway, hello, Rosario in Madrid. There's Mary. Hello, Mary. Greetings to you. There's John. Windy Ireland. Wet and windy. Uh, Avon Pola. John. Oh, there's a John. She and Anna John Watson. One in Ireland, one in Scotland. There's Carl, also in Ireland, I believe. Roberto's in Barcelona. I love Barcelona. It was the... My experience of it was the most unfriendly place I've been in all the rest of Spain was just like warm and welcoming. And Barcelona was just, I asked somebody for direction. Actually, my wife, well, at the time she was my wife, who spoke Spanish fluently, she was from Argentina, asked directions somewhere. And they go, eh, go down the corner and ask somebody else. <laughs> Everybody was like that, that to us. It's my karma, I know, it's all me, right? Is it a problem? <laughs> it was interesting experience. Madrid, on the other hand, Alhambra, all those places were just incredibly mar marvelous. Anyway, David and Elaine, hello from hello to you, hello Dorte Ursula, and Dorte's in Denmark, Ursula, Madeira Island, Portugal, Lisa, she's on the east coast of the U.S. Robbie in Romania. Hey, Amy, good to see you. Great to have you here, Roberto. I said I think, but I meant feel. I didn't see any comment before that oh Robert no yeah just hello everybody from Barcelona anyway anyway yeah good well feeling is better than thinking anyway feeling is closer to the truth it isn't the truth but it's closer to the truth and why do you say that G well simple because thought is always an abstraction it's always after the fact right it always follows experience this is such an important thing to note an experience happens and then thought follows. If that wasn't the case, animals would have a real tough time because they don't think, they just experience. And so they're, they're engaging in life on a completely different level. Well, this, the body, whole body-mind mechanism, right? The first three chakras, if you like, are, are the animal. <laughs> they're the animal existence. They're that which has not yet become uh, self-aware. Okay. And, of course, never will become self-aware. Something else becomes self-aware. That's the energy, the heart, and, and, and onward. Um, so animals know what's going on because they feel it. And they don't need the mind to assess it. And they don't have a mind after the fact. So it's the same for us. I except we Tao do because of, self, because of the self-awareness that has dawned. There's this kind of this intermediate state bet between between self-awareness uh, self and the unconscious, between conscious and unconsciousness. And the mind is, is nothing but that collection of thoughts, all after the fact. It, it really doesn't create anything. It is, it is a symbolic representation of what is experienced, which is why in meditation I bring you out of the mind and into the body because the body isn't the mind. It's... It is responding directly to the environment, which makes it more honest than the mind. It doesn't have illusions. 
right? If the body is warm, too warm or too cold, it, it doesn't have an illusion about it. It just wants to move to make itself comfortable, right? Uh, uh, whereas the mind will go, oh, wow, this warmth. Should I be feeling this warmth? Oh, man, what does that mean? Let me tap. <laughs> it can get in this whole thing and just, just move your stupid ass. I mean, it just, <laughs> there's, it doesn't have to be this, this complicated, but you can see how the mind does it, which is why I say the, the feeling, the actual sensations are much closer to the truth than the mind is because they're fully present in the now which is why it's such a, a, a wonderful gateway to getting beyond the mind and then beyond the sensations to the pure experience of awareness or presence, which is subtler than even the sensations. So <clears throat> I'm glad you're feeling and not, uh, not thinking. Mary said, I noticed there's a lag when you come on YouTube. We seem to be missing 52 minutes of your intro. Um... I haven't been here 52 minutes. Thought you'd like to know this. I haven't been here for 52 minutes, 52 minutes. Is that right? You mean 52 minutes? Did you miss the whole intro? Because later on you said you liked the intro. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure. Sometimes it, it's been, when I first started doing live streams, the, it, I've, I'd, had, I'd had lags up to a minute. You know, I would, I would ask something and it'd be, um, you know, back and forth. It would take, you know, a minute or so uh, for a conversation to take place. That's gotten a whole lot better now. Um, uh, YouTube has made it, so it's almost instantaneous. There's a, a tiny lag, but no more, no more of a lag than you see on the evening news when the guy asks a question. Yes, Robert, you know, when they got, you know, the news guy out in the field somewhere. Anyway, anyway, if, if there's still a problem here, folks, do uh, do let me know. <laughs> but I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not suspecting. Let me go all the way to the bottom. Fifty-two seconds. Oh, okay. <laughs> fifty-two minutes. Say, wow, we're talking from yesterday. Um, okay, fifty-two seconds. That's possible. Okay. If it really cut it off, that be um, that be. I'll check it afterwards. If it really cut it off, but. Not much I can do about that. Once I hit that live button, I, uh, I am, I'm totally at the mercy of the tube. <laughs> so, Susanna, so good to see you. Sue, I wonder what happens if every single being is awake all at once. Hmm. Um, I do believe, first off, there'd be one hell of a party. <laughs> I, I, and once we got that out of the way, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful thing to ponder, isn't it? So my, my advice would be, okay, let's find out. So wake up. <laughs> let's find out. Um, just all we can do is be vigilant and sincere about our own awakening. Knowing that every, every bit you awaken makes it that much easier for everybody else. We're all, we are all carving paths in that, in that forest. And uh, 
makes it easier for others others to follow. You know, I've made it easier. I've cut decades off of people's path <laughs> that it took me. And it didn't have to. You know, there were people around who could have guided me much quicker, but I didn't know they were around. <laughs> Just circumstances, my own disposition, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. I'm just going to stick with the party part. Because <laughs> I know there'd be that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of dancing and and uh, hugging. And yeah, it'd be great. Hello, Sally. So good to see you uh, in, the, in the UK. I have some responses to the little... Um, back and forth that you and Evan did in the, in the private group. Yeah. There's a lot of meat in there I want to talk about. So um, I think I'm going to make a video about that for the, for the private group. Those of you who aren't in my private group, well, now's the time. Hello, Peter in uh, Italy. Wonderful to be here. Thank you, GP. You're welcome. There's Brent in LA. Isabel in Florida. I used to live there for a while. Barbara in Sweden, awesome intro, says Mary. Thank you, Mary, even without the first 52 seconds. Carl, hey, GP, I'm trying to accept something that is unacceptable to me. There is still a trace of defeat. How to make the helplessness and hopelessness of childhood not feel real anymore? Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Trying to accept something that is unacceptable to me. How about starting by accepting the fact that some things are unacceptable? Just what if you just never, ever could accept it? Notice how you've set yourself up with the idea that the way I get free of this is I must accept it. Right? And so now you put all this burden on yourself to accept it. And yet inside there's this thing that doesn't want to accept. If you try to force that, you're really making an end run. Be because when you look at when you look at the helplessness and hopelessness of childhood, how do you accept that? How does some come to someone come to accept some really horrid abuse of all kinds? And you know, as a as a spiritual teacher and an energy healer working with people, I hear stories that would that would make your hair stand on end. Real stories of real experiences people have had. How do you come to, to the state of equanimity about that? Well, the only way you can do that is through understanding. You can't just make yourself accept that. And, and look, it's not acceptable, is it? You know, child abuse, sexual abuse, molestation, um, just, just enormous amount of cruelty and, and deprivation. How do you accept that? And as a child, you know in your gut, in your body, that it's not supposed to be happening, but there's nothing you can do about it. How do you accept that? Well, as a child, you can't, right? You suppress it. You push it underground. Right? So first off, start with the fact that things happened. You're in a state that, in fact, was unacceptable. Right? And you were powerless. You were It was real, okay? You say, I don't, it, I don't want it to feel real anymore. 
Well, first you must recognize that it was. It really was real. You know, children try to imagine that it didn't really happen. And then we get into, into adulthood. There's a lot of things. We even just phase it out. We can't even remember it. And then sometimes the stuff comes, comes up. We, ah, it's, just, it's, just, it's just horrific. We just, we don't, and we don't want to feel it. But that I don't want to feel it is the, is the state of the child that creates the suppression in the first place. Somehow we've got to create a space where it's safe to feel it. And you do that through understanding because you're not helpless anymore. Right? You're not hopeless anymore. And, and so it is safe for this stuff to, to, to come up. Both the, you can accept the state of the child, accept that you were vulnerable and hopeless that you were absolutely powerless. There's nothing you could do. And so your nervous system took, took over and shoved that down somewhere out, out of reach so it, so it couldn't kill you. That's what happened. Now you can accept, can you accept that? That that is what's happened, that what happened. And it wasn't acceptable. Right? If there was any kind of in, 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 intelligent being there, it would have been seen as unacceptable. But you could not see it as unacceptable because you had to accept it. Right? I'm coming at this from every angle I can, I can possibly see because until it is, it, it is accepted as a fact that this did go on and you didn't make it up and you can bear witness to the misery and suffering of the child, right? It'll just be you trying to get rid of bad feelings. Why are the feelings there? And why have they come to the surface? Right? Well, they've come to the surface because it's time for them to be released. And that means a clarity about it. And it extends beyond. Recognizing that that really happened can create a great deal of antagonism and anger, rage against your parents or whoever it was that inflicted this on you. And that's part of it too, and it should, right? Because rage was a terrifying thing. The child actually felt rage, and that's what made it be suppressed. It could not possibly express that. It would have been worse. Right? So how do these feelings are there? There's grief about the life that was lost, about all the stuff, about this shouldn't have happened. Right? And yet it did. Boom. Right? This shouldn't have happened, yes but it did. Okay. I accept that it was unacceptable. Now I'm just going to be with that. All right. Now notice there's a, there's a third element at work here. <clears throat> That's the element of the heart, the element of the peacemaker. It's the enlightened witness that is bearing witness to the reality that the child experienced. Right. And and may even indulge temporarily with the child's anger and rage about it. But eventually it will begin to see more clearly. We begin to see the whole picture. Right? That this is a long line of abuse. That it happened to the child because it happened to that, their parents. And it happened to their parents. And it happened to their... And on and on and on and on it goes. All the studies of violent criminals, really violent criminals in prisons, reveal that every, every one of them, the violent crime that they had committed had been inflicted on them in some way. 
this comes down and down and down 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 now you sit in the position the most the most wonderful and difficult position of all being the generation that puts an end to it and how do you do that by being the enlightened witness of it so first it's this child that you finally take in and and you let it and you let it and you acknowledge its its pain and its suffering and you bring it close and bring it close and bring it close and you give it all of the love compassion that it needs and then it extends out to the children that were the were children that grew and the parents that did it to you and then their parents that did it to them and their parents did, and the entire thing goes out a level of compassion for the whole world all reflected you know the the pain and suffering of the whole world reflected in the life of that one little kid which you now become the great heart of Christ right? because this is the ultimate forgiveness the clear-sighted understanding that sees the whole chain of causation and goes and breaks the chain so you don't want to not feel it anymore you want to heal it for, for you and for every generation prior, knowing, knowing that it will not go beyond you. Maybe I don't know if you have kids or not. If you do, they will not suffer it. And their children won't, and their children won't. And this is how the world is transformed. Oh, thank you for bringing that, Carl. I hope that was a help. touches me <sighs> sorry things like that just get me seen too much of it faith oh, faith 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 Hello, my sheik, my spiritual family. I was applying for a job for a while. I'm overwhelmed that my body hurts, and I stopped applying for more than two weeks, and every night I finish feeling guilty. Okay, good. Time to let you off the hook. Right. We have this idea that somehow I'm, I'm, we're machines, right? I'm applying for a job, and I can't find a job, right? Oh, God, please, I need a break. You can't take a break. Out comes the whip. What are you doing taking a break? Okay. I want you to just, for a moment, say, look, you decided your body was just riddled, right? First off, there's, there's an, an enormous amount of pressure you're putting on yourself to get that job, right? And, and I know why, and it's okay, right? But I want you to just stand back for a second and, and, and look Notice that that is just a repetitive pattern, right? Putting pressure on yourself to try to get things done, blaming yourself when it doesn't work, is a, is a, is a habitual pattern that you and many, many other people suffer from. Now, I want you to just take a step back and, and notice that it is a habitual pattern, that it isn't integral to you, it is not inherent in you, it's not natural to you, that it was just a behavior that was learned because of the conditioning and the, the culture and, and, and the, the circumstances under which you, you grew up. You can shift your attention 
towards the fact that you know you 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 are now somewhere you've wanted to be for a very long time just oh yes that's right that's right there, that's right there are every tunnel has is a tunnel it's not a hole <laughs> there is a light there is there is a light at the end right? and I'm, I'm and just asking a question is there anything more i need to do and if if the time is like you know later in the evening and there isn't anything you you can do with that but the answer is no so you just you use that opportunity to begin to just enjoy the moment noticing how habitually the mind wants to get in it's not going to be good until this happens it's not going to be good until this happens if you can see that pattern um happening and and withdraw from it even though it's just really chugging hard and for years decades you have always succumbed to that pattern and will feel that tug in that place of of seeing it and not just falling into it your freedom is being strengthened your spiritual muscle is being exercised and and of course that that's the guilt the guilt feeling is well you should be doing something you haven't done enough obviously you haven't done enough if you had it would have worked now, now let's look at that as is that true remember in the very beginning what i said about this if if that thought says you should you, you should have gotten this by now never occurred to you would it be true that you should have gotten it by now is that objectively true or is just this just a habit of the mind that keeps saying that oh gosh it's your fault you should feel guilty about it maybe even press the button and stimulate a feeling of guilt in the system a mixture of guilt and fear and oh my god i'm going to lose it right and notice that and then and you know as much as i wish i could just walk into people's heads and take that stuff out um i know that i can't and it's better that i don't right because how else do we learn to 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 learn in in the in the heart in the body in our whole lives that 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 this is the truth if we don't if we don't have to confront all the places in which we've given into it for lifetimes by the way <laughs> <laughs> not just this one lifetime after lifetime we we've indulged the trivial we have gone along with things that simply weren't true we've ignored the truth lifetime after lifetime but in this lifetime you're not and you feel that momentum we all do right anybody here not feel it <laughs> if so you come and you teach this <laughs> Of course we do. We all have the momentum of lifetimes behind everything and and you know I'm headed in this direction, right? I'm you know I'm swimming away and I'm in a big crowd and we're all walking down the street and then all of a sudden I go, oh my god, I'm going the wrong way and I turn around. Now what? It's like, you know, Neo in the in the street, right? Just bang. You're the salmon upstream. That's what happens, right? Is that your fault? No. Is it a problem? No. <laughs> You've turned around. You're headed in the right direction. And yes, you're going to meet with all of the you're going to meet with all of that momentum of the past that wants to just keep going in that direction. 
And it's not like it's fighting you or trying to hurt you. It's just mindless, right? It's, there's nobody there. It's just a pattern that wants to keep going in that direction. And <clears throat> as our resolve becomes deeper and stronger and our be conviction becomes more certain, that's the energy that begins to turn the whole ship. It turns the whole flow of traffic back in the other direction. But you're, you, you, got, you have to lead the charge. You know, this, is, this, this, this kind of spirituality is, builds strength. It's not just, oh, God, take care of me. We, there can be those moments of just that total heart surrender to something beyond yourself. But it doesn't stop there. God doesn't want us as eternal children. <laughs> What we it is our is our our need to step into the godhood of true wisdom and compassion by seeing things as they are, which is the God consciousness. So be willing to be fully present with these feelings. Be fully will, willing to just go. Okay, here it is. I know what it is. I know the momentum. God, I wish it would go away, but here it is. I'm here. I'm I'm present. I'm standing in my in my conviction. <clears throat> Even though I'm shaking. I'm, I'm standing in this conviction. What else can I do? I can't make stuff happen. I can't make it go away. All right. Be here then. Screw it. Be here. Feeling guilty? Be here. Feeling of guilt. But now don't make yourself guilt. This is the this is the thing. Let the feeling be there, but you remain aloof from it. You remain the witness of it. And so you're not cursing anything. You're not pushing anything away. You're not fighting with it. Right? Because believe it or not, fighting with it gives it energy. You form no relationship whatsoever. You're simply watching. Watching from a distance. This is going on. Yeah, it's going on. Now... If it was really just something going on outside, you could do that. But it's in here. There's feelings and thoughts and all that. It's so intimate that it feels like it has more authority. It doesn't. We just think it does. There's the mind in the abyss. <laughs> I think this has authority. It doesn't. If that thought what never occurred to you, this has authority. I've got to get rid of it. Would it have authority? Would you need to get rid of it? This is the abyss that the heart crosses. And I know you can do it, Faith. I've seen you. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Faith. Brent. Hello from Park City. Hello, Brent. Oh, Brett, not Brent. Sorry. Brent's the other one. David Yeager. Hello, David. I like the written intro. I like the written intro. Please ponder this. Is the earth giving us trouble? <laughs> yes, there's a... Four by six patch of ground down the street, really pissing me off. <laughs> Did it mean to? Did the earth just decide, okay, David, mm, what would really annoy the hell out of David? Oh, I know. <laughs> of course, if it's a four by six patch, it's not the earth. It's somebody that's there on that little bit of earth. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Neutrality. Greetings. Feelings come and go. Yes. Yes. They come and go. Unless we form a relationship with them, give them a meaning, 
and a significance they don't inherently have, and then they stick around. Why wouldn't they? Oh, look, they think I'm cool. I'm going to stay. <laughs> Actually, what it is is it draws them in. It feeds them. It perpetuates them. They don't have that energy in and of them, uh, in and of themselves. Um, it's, it's all given to them, and that's the abyss of the mind. If we take that away, what do we have left? A feeling that comes and goes, as all feelings do. And if you really feel into it, you realize that even though you say, okay, I've got a feeling of anxiousness, if you really feel that and set aside the thought, you'll feel, there's a sensation in the body, but it's constantly coming and going, right? It, it, it's not a feeling It's sitting there. It's not static. It's, it's waves that are coming. And these waves form what we call the feeling, but the feeling is made up of a bunch of little piece parts coming and going so so fast. Oh, look at that. Oh, okay, it's a wave. Ooh, oh, ooh. You begin to see that it's just this wave of fluctuation that's taking place. And then you go, oh, if I don't, give them any meaning or importance or significance. They don't have any of their own. Ha. Huh. I've just crossed the abyss. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, neutrality. Mary, you're already, you're already talking when you come on. Sorry, it was 52 seconds. I don't know if that was the case for everybody. Um, Oh, there we are. There's, there's the, there's my bot, <laughs> best adult dating site. Great. <laughs> oh wow! I just, I just, uh, I delete the spam. I, I can't delete it until I see it. And a lot, a lot of times it's blue. I just got it. Thank you, neutrality. Yeah, I just, I just blocked it. <sighs> It's a bot. It's not even a human. Caro, bring on that awake party before I'm at the age where I'm sleeping through it. <laughs> yeah, I'm at that age where I'll be at the awake party, but I'll be home by nine. <laughs> Stephanie Mars. Hello, Stephanie. How about chronic feelings of heaviness without being aware of any cause? Ooh, yay. I like this question. I like this question. Good, good, good. So the truth of the matter is we're never really aware of the cause. We just think we are. Because a feeling comes up, let's say a feeling of heaviness. Right? And do your best to be in touch with that feeling of heaviness right now, Stephanie. Right? Let's not... Let's not put it put it off. There's no reason we don't have to we don't have to postpone our well-being. Right? That's just that feeling of heaviness right now. And anybody else that's got some feeling that's been bugging them, right? You don't think you have to leave it outside at Satsang. This is the place to bring it. We leave our minds outside, but we don't have to leave this these things outside. Right? And we leave the mind outside, and we go, okay, there's a feeling of heaviness here. Now, normally what happens is the mind, this is what it does is it says, oh, there's a feeling, it's unpleasant, I want to get rid of it. Uh, what's its cause? How do I get rid of it? Now, you can see that's what's playing itself out, right? 
I, kind of behind the question, I have chronic feelings of heaviness, but I don't know what the cause is. You want to know the cause because you think if you know the cause, well, then you'll be able to then you'll be able to fix it. Right? This is the way our minds work. It's not personal, right? Please, please understand me. This is like a personal flaw of you. This is how our minds work until we become aware of them working that way. And we go, oh, this isn't the best way to approach it. Right? So when something comes up and your mind has run out of options, I have no idea where it's coming from. For some, that can actually put them into a panic because they're so, we're so convinced that we have to know the cause in order to be able to free ourselves from it that we then freak out or we get anxious, even get uh, uh, afraid. Oh my God, what is it? And we can start spinning and it create a level of anxiety that's sometimes even a, a, down, a, a, a panic attack, <laughs> right? So it's a wonderful thing when there's a feeling there and you go, I have no idea where this is coming from. So good, stay with that. Let's not try to figure out where it's coming from. My approach to energy healing is completely different. It's not analysis. It's not psychotherapy. I, I'm not interested in where it came from. That is, I'm not interested in knowing it up here. The feeling itself knows. So that's all. That's all I need to know. If it wants to tell me, fine. If it doesn't, that's even more fine. <laughs> I'm not interested. All I'm interested in is giving the, that feeling space enough to be able to fulfill whatever, whatever reason it's here for. And I don't know what that is. Okay? So the first thing, okay, there's a feeling. Okay, so you're letting, so don't even try to figure out where it came from. And also, let go of the idea that somehow you have to get rid of it. Who said you had to get rid of it? Again, that's the mind creating an abyss. I've, it's a problem. Is it a problem unless the mind says it's a problem. So let me assume that you got that, and now you're just present, completely empty and open with a feeling of heaviness. All right, so now feel into that. Give it your attention, right? Instead of, instead of trying to get rid of it or run away from it, we're going to walk towards it with curiosity with openness, and just feel it. What does it feel like in the body? What does this heaviness feel like? And then even set aside the word heaviness, because that's a label we put on it. And in fact, it could be a lot more nuanced, have a lot more subtlety and shifts and stuff to it. Than, you know, when we think it's heaviness, now I put it into a kind of a category and, and I don't really feel it anymore. So put that to the side. It's a sensation that appears to need your attention that's moving through the body. Okay. Now just be with it. Now there'll be resistance to it. I don't want to be, I want to get rid of it. And, and notice that, perfectly natural. You just kind of say, not now, not now. I do really want to be, I want to be free from it. I always thought that meant I had to get rid of it. But maybe it just means I need a different relationship with it. Maybe I can be free in a relationship rather than, I can be free with it rather than free from it. Hmm. What if that's possible? 
I'd rather not feel it. Okay, fine. But it's here. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's here. Right? All right, you're here. You know, it's like the guy shows up at the party. You really ho hope you hoped he wasn't going to come, <laughs> but he does. What do you do? All right, well, okay, here. Punch bowls over there. Right? <laughs> so you, notice there's just an equanimity there. There's an openness. And, and being open to these feelings and sensations that are running through you is actually being open to yourself. Because whatever it is, it's a part of you you've cut off. This is part of you, the dis, our disowned selves. And what you're doing is participating in genuine self-acceptance. This is unconditional love. This is genuine compassion. And this is, the, this is the setting for real healing. Because when this ceases to be a problem, really, and it's felt as not being a problem, it won't be. And at that point, that energy will transform into whatever it needs to. And you may find out that it, it wasn't heaviness at all. It was, a, it was a deep, important part of you that had, that had been unexpressed your whole life. We don't know its nature, and we don't have to decide what its nature is. We have to be with it and let it tell us. Right? Just like... <clears throat> You know, when parents have a child, when that child is born, you have no idea what it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to look like, <laughs> who they're going to be, what they're going to care about, what they're going to be interested in, what they're going to do, how they're going to look. You, don't, you know nothing about it. Right? Does that mean you don't love them? Of course not. That's part of the journey. But yeah, we get these feelings and stuff. Oh, God, terrible feeling. Got to go away. Wait a minute. It's just a feeling. Let, let me be with it. Maybe there's... Maybe there's something beautiful there that I'm missing. As it says in the Bible, maybe I'm entertaining angels unaware. It could be one of those angels in the basement. Or it could be some kind of trauma that's finally ready to release and give you greater freedom. So how's that? How's that, Stephanie? There, you... It's possible to feel some resistance to doing this because we've just been in the habit of, of trying to get rid of these feelings. But any, anybody can look at their life and go, that hasn't been a very successful strategy. <laughs> okay, I've tried for many, many years to get rid of I I can't, they haven't gone. So why do I keep doing this one again? Hmm. All right, let's, let's try a new strategy. Let's try a new way of doing it. Let's try being with them. Oh, please tell me how that's feeling down, down below. I will get to it uh, as I'm going as I'm going through here. David, David, great answer to Carl. I kept seeing it as feelings to get rid of. Difficult to feel them. Thank you, GP. Well, that yes, that's it. But who said they're difficult to feel? And if you didn't say they're difficult to feel, would they be difficult to feel? See, the mind is creating a relationship, and it's creating the discomfort. It's creating the pain, not the feeling. The feeling is just what it is. And I'm not saying that every feeling is wonderful and beautiful, and I want to invite it, right? Not at all. Some of them are difficult, right? Some of them, some of them are, are, are not the, the wonderful, warm, fuzzy feelings. But does that make them 
difficult? Does it make them bad? Does that make them, they got to go away. No, that's all interpretation. And that comes from the idea that somehow we're not supposed to feel what we're feeling when we're feeling it. It's a really strange morality that just kind of grew up in the West. Right? But you are feeling it. It's a simple fact. Just, oh, but I am feeling it. I'm not supposed to? Well, maybe not, but here it is. <laughs> Here's Johnny. So um, just feel them. Right? And, and, and you'll notice that, oh, I can feel them. I was running away from them, and yeah, I don't really like them, but they're not killing me. <laughs> the, the relationship with them can shift in a heartbeat. I mean, boom, just like that. And that's all it is, is a shift in perception. You no longer create the same relationship with them. And if you don't, they transform right before your eyes. Not that they're actually transforming, but you're seeing them from a through a completely different set of eyes. You've traded in these eyes, and you got these new X-ray vision eyes, lasers and stuff. <laughs> ah, wonderful, wonderful. Susan in New York. Hello, hello, Patricia, in the city of angels, and you're one of them. Mary says, I know exactly what faith is talking about. I guilt myself so much, and I see how hard I am on myself too. Oh, more dating site stuff. Oh, they they gave the they gave it a different name this time. Let me scroll down and see if it's there again. Uh, no. Sometimes the bots uh, have different accounts on YouTube, so they keep posting stuff, and they just do this to e everything that's live. Any other live thing going on is getting these as well. <laughs> so I'm not even special. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, yes, guilt is and guilt is learned behavior. We're taught to feel guilty because that's how we're controlled. <laughs> right? And it comes very very early and then we take on the role of guilt and 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 you know, if if guilt and punishment actually worked to do anything useful, our prisons would be turning out model citizens. They're not, in case you haven't noticed. It simply doesn't work. It is about control. It isn't about blessing your life. And of course, coming from an you know, evangelical Christian background, Mary, um, that was the number one thing. God was the most fearful thing imaginable. This supposedly in the religion of love. Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> so when the feelings of guilt come up, don't push them away. There's Because underneath there's some little one that wants to be loved. And they'll do anything to win that love. And because they didn't get that love, they blame themselves. Be with it. That guilt is a cry for help. You can really feel it that way. Your heart will just melt towards it. That Melt towards that part of you that was so wounded and blamed themselves for it. <laughs> and that was genuine Christianity. That right there. Oh, my, my Baba GP, my heart is melting. I'm crying hearing your words. Yes, I'm checking, but I'm here. I love that. 
And yes, maybe it's time for me to step up to my godhood. I'm surrendering. I love you, and I can feel your hand in my heart. Oh, oh face. Thank you. Step into your godhood. Or goddesshood, if you prefer. <laughs> Equally good. Anya, do we focus too much on the abyss as if we're not allowed to step back and take our hands off and let it be without trying to fix it? Yes. Yes. I, I covered that again a little bit in the Tapist Monks. Those of you who aren't in there, you should be. Um, uh, you know, the whole self-help thing is a treadmill. Um, which is why I abandoned it and <laughs> made a couple of enemies in the process. In the process, because we can we can we can get into the identity of fixing. Right? The truth is, there's nothing to be fixed. If I approach the stuff that's coming in my up into my life, not as problems to be solved, but as simple uh, simply opportunities to discover myself as I actually am and always have been, that I don't have to become it because I already am it. I've just been believing that I wasn't. Now that's very different, right? Uprooting beliefs about myself that were never true is very different than trying to fix something that was broken. The truth is you are not broken. You never were. You just were taught to think that you were. That's the abyss, right? And there's this kind of this energy, though, that goes into, oh, God, I've got I've to I've get rid of all these beliefs. But again, that's the mind that created the abyss trying to fix the abyss. It can't do it, right? So step back from that abyss. You don't need to fix it. You need to see through it. There isn't an abyss. It doesn't actually exist, right? And you don't do that by trying by the you can, but you and you can feel the energy. And this is really important to anybody who does this kind of inner in, 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 in work. Right? You can feel when the energy starts getting heavy. Right? I see this in people even working working through towards awakening. Right trying to see through the illusion of the separate self and realize who they really are. They can go, they can get so into seeing through the separate self. If it starts feeling that way, back off. The mind is trying to do it. Right? And the mind can't do it. It created the separate self. <laughs> it's not going to be able to undo the separate self. Right? Ramana Maharshi would tell the story of the police who hired the man a, a man to to catch a particular thief, not realizing he was the particular thief. <laughs> Hiring the thief to catch the thief. How successful are you are they going to be at catching that? Oh man, I wow, just elusive. I just can't find. It. I don't know where he is. Where the heck is he? And that's what we end up doing. We start using the mind to try to undo the mind. And it just and it just wraps itself, and you can feel it. When you feel that sense, it's like, God, this is so heavy. <laughs> back off. That's the mind. Just back. Go back to the place of. <sighs> take a nice breath and watch it. Just watch the feelings go by. 
even let go of, of, the, of the notion that you have to cross the abyss, that there's anything you have to do at all, and then just abide in that quiet space. Just that. And you'll notice how quickly. And then what happens is that which the, the belief systems that make up the bullet, the abyss, will begin to appear all by themselves. Because you'll be now looking from the place that doesn't have an abyss, which is the, the heart, which easily crosses it because there is no abyss to the heart. It's, it's, it's all welcome here. It's no, no problem. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. Who said there was something wrong with you? I didn't say there was anything wrong with you. <laughs> and, and notice how free that feels, right? But then Michael, no, we got to do the work. Uh, no, we don't. You, no, you don't. The presence, the heart, will do the work for you. You need not engage. And if it needs the mind, it will take it and use it and then set it aside. Thank you. Good job. If it needs it for anything. Now, right now, we, I need it, right? I, I'm using the mind right now to formulate uh, stuff to respond to questions, but the answers aren't coming from the mind. Right? My sense of what to say and and the heart of the issue that needs to be responded from is not coming from the minds. I mean, none of that's, it, it's, it's in the words, but the words don't say it out loud. The energy I'm responding to isn't the words. It's, it's, the, it's the energy those words are carrying. It's what's sitting behind it. The mind can't see that. It can only analyze. Right? Then the heart gets it and goes, okay, I see what's going on. Mind, come here. And it starts using it. It starts putting sounds and words and phrases together and the story from here or something from that. There's something orchestrating it, the, the whole thing. That's the mind. No, excuse me, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the heart. The mind just being now the vehicle of expression. That heart is also the true self. That's the real you. So you don't have to go digging at it. You don't even have to figure out, um, see through the false self. The attempt to see through the, 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 the separate self, that which is trying to see through the separate self is the separate self. <laughs> So drop that process if anybody's doing it. Drop the, self, the fixing. And for a lot, that's like hard <laughs> to do because you know, you've developed a life. What am I going to do if I'm not fixing myself all the time? I had somebody, I've known him for quite a long time, and he, and he, um, he was always reading books about this or that. He was taking this course, that course, constantly. It was, it was always there. I didn't say anything. He was a friend. I liked him. We had a good time. Knew, knew him for, I've known him for 25 years. Met him in New York, right? And, um, uh, and every now and then, about 10 years ago, um, he finally got exposed to non-duality and this sort of, sort of thing. And so Karki says, you know, gee, um, I, you really understand this. I, I, will you be my teacher? And I said, uh, sure, under one condition. For the next 30 days, you don't read any books, <laughs> don't take any classes, you just sit with yourself. 
that was the last I heard from him for six months. <laughs> and the next time I heard from him, it was, oh, I read this great book. And it was like, it was as if our conversation had never happened. <laughs> it had become an identity, you see. It wasn't about getting to an end game. Right? He became the self-fixer. He became the self-help thing. And of course, if you're actually all, all, if there's nothing broken, well, how in the world do I help myself? You don't, but you know, in order to be, in order to be a finder, you have to let go of the seeker. But you don't just do that. Okay, I'm letting go of the seeker now because that's the seeker trying to let go of the seeker. <laughs> you let everything unfold according to its according to its natural, its natural patterns, its natural energy. You are simply the Tao. You are you are bearing witness to it. You become this enlightened, angelic energy that is simply there, rock solid, a presence that all of this responds to and harmonizes with. Mm. So, yeah, this is a much easier path than self-help or personal development or any of that. Way, way easier. That's why I do it, because I'm, I'm basically lazy. <laughs> and this is lazy man's religion and lazy woman's religion. Stephanie, such a relief. Thank you so much. Oh, wonderful, 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 wonderful. Thank you, Stephanie. I don't recognize your name. Are you new? And uh, where might you be located? Right. If you have been here before, I'm sorry for not remembering, but sometimes. Anya says, your answer to Stephanie fits my question. Well, and then you got your own. Jens, hello, my latest guru. <laughs> <laughs> my latest guru discovery. <laughs> Let me take the chance and ask you my, my burniest cue. I know for sure who I am, and I'm so stuck. Is there a sadhana of any kind from here onward, or will my biochemical system do its thing, surprising me with, with, with this good? Um. Yes, there is a sadhana after this. The, not necessarily. And of course, there is an end to sadhana, sadhanas. Um, it does become increasingly individualized and subtle, right? Because the, the, because the separate sense of self is hiding as the thought I so when you say, I know for sure who I am, I'm, I'm questioning that I. Because can the, can the I that says, I know for sure who I am, and the I that says, I'm so stuck, be the same I? Can they possibly be the same I? Can the true self that knows itself possibly say, I'm stuck. So I know that the I'm stuck, I'm so stuck, is still a lingering sense of a personal sense of identity. There's still identity there. Otherwise, it, it simply couldn't come out. Right? Now, the other one that says, I know for sure who I am, I can, I can feel a mix there's a mix there of that which does know 
has seen it clearly, but has not yet clearly seen how in that I, the false sense of self is hiding. Earlier on, and I don't mean early on, early as early in the beginning, but prior to to, to coming to see more clearly who you actually are, we tend to see the things that were not as out here. We miss the ones that are actually parked right behind your eyeballs. Those are those are the sticky little buggers. <laughs> so the sadhana from here, the sadhana, the post-awakening sadhana and the pre-awakening sadhana for me are the same. They're the same kind of energy, right? but they have a different focus. When prior to uh, uh, awakening, and I don't see awakening as being a one and done. I see it as a wave thing, right? It's something that kind of grows over time. And so the pre-awakening sadhana is is allowing, letting your feelings be exactly what they are. It's a process by which we establish a very different relationship with our own experience, our own feelings, our thoughts, all of it. An under, and an understanding begins to grow. And at some point, we, we come to see, really see and take into our hearts that there's something here that is aware of thought, feeling, sensation, and all experience, and that it's not any of those. All of this is coming and going. This is not coming and going. And then something goes, this is me. And then we go, mm, I can't define it. I can't say what it is. I, I know it's what I am, but I can't express it as some something that I know. It's not an object of thought. It's not, it's, it's, it's just me. I just am. And that's a realization that really does sink in. Right? But this is still going on, right? All the thoughts and patterns, and they're still acting according to the old regime, according to the old, the, the way they were programmed. At one time, you were so identified with it that your identification was sustaining it, right? Now you're coming from here, but this is still going. And so what's going to happen is, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm that. Oh, I'm not, I'm that. Oh, I'm not. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to oscillate like that for a while. And it's okay, <laughs> right? Because every time you find, oh my God, I was identified with that again. And now this, the, the post-awakening sadhana is, is just being willing to endure that, <laughs> be fully present with it, and, and, and not think that there's any, any problem with it. And then recognize every time you get identified with something, and then the moment you see the identification, you let go of it. Right? Knowing full well that you will you're not popping the cork on the champagne quite yet. <laughs> As Papa G was always talking about vigilance. And then someone asked him, Papa G, do you have to be vigilant? I mean, he's a fully enlightened master, right? And he says, to my dying breath. Right? Because any remaining little sense of identity right, that's there is is going to is going to eventually something's going to trigger it something's going to grab hold of it now it eventually it comes to the point where in the post awakening sadhana 
where even that doesn't suck you. We see it happening. Oh, there's the reaction. There's the identity. And you never become identified with it. You see the identification, uh, the energy of identification is itself something perceived by that which is not identified with anything. And at that point, you just let it happen. Who cares? So what? Matter of fact, it won't even complete itself in a lifetime. That All those programs and things, they'll have nothing to do with you, and they'll fall away with the body. If they don't fall away completely and sometimes, but no, I don't know of anybody. I've never heard of any great spiritual teacher that some of it didn't kind of hang around. There's a got out of chain smoke, and so did Steve Jordan to the day they died. <laughs> Ramana would use it, lose his temper every now and then. I, I, Nisargadatta was a volatile character on top of it. I'm sure Buddha did. I'm sure Jesus did. I'm sure they all did, right? Because it just kind of comes with the territory, but there's nothing there anymore that says, and that identifies with it or says, oh God, that shouldn't be happening, which is a different way of identifying with it. And so that post, so your post-awakening sada is to look at that and say, I know for sure, who's that I? And I'm so stuck. Who's that I? Get really into that, right? And, and not think, I, I just can't wait for this stuff to go away because mm, it's gotcha. Oh, it's gotcha. <laughs> you do this. So every, every time it comes up, the I comes up and there's some kind of, and it feel it, become really sensitive to the feeling of it. I know for sure. What does that feel like? What does that feel like? Is there any... Is there, any, uh, is there any dark side of that? Is there anything that isn't quite convinced about that? And then even say, okay, can I go deeper? Can I go even deeper? Can I go to the point where there's not even an eye left that knows for sure? There's your, there's your sadhana, Jens. Mary, in regards to Stephanie's question about heaviness, would your answer apply to constrictions that interfere with your ability to even breathe and live without feeling like you're going to have a heart attack? Yes. <clears throat> yes, there is. It, it's, it's, exactly this. it's exactly the same. We have to be willing to be present with it. Uh, I, I was just in a retreat with my teacher, Muji. And he related the story of uh, uh, someone he was talking to, who um, a very advanced student of his, who had fallen ill and was in the hospital. I mean, it was like last leg. She was on her way out, right? And he was having conversations with her on the phone, and he was talking to her, and she and she one day she he was she was talking to him, and she was just in incredible pain. She'd never felt pain like this in her entire life. Everything else had gone on, the, the illness, the, the doctor, the whole scene, preparation for death. She was completely equanimous. She was just ready, no problem. She said, but this pain, it was just overwhelming. That I, And she said to him, she said to him, Muji Baba, I've lost my connection to you. Oof. Now, for a spiritual devotee, there's nothing worse. And he quoted and it reminded me when I heard it, it reminded me and then he quoted it he talked about the story of Jesus on the cross and he said father father why hast thou forsaken me 
Now, we've all felt that. As, as an example of, of what it means to go through life as a human being, Jesus got turned into the God-man, right? He wasn't. He was you and me. And a story like that, where he felt cut off from that which was his, his, the source of his life. And that's what happens in times like this. We feel cut off from our lives, from our happiness, from our, why hast thou forsaken me, is the, is the prayer. Right? Well, he hadn't. That, that connection can never be broken except by that abyss of the mind. It's it said he's, you've been forsaken. It's said it's cut off. Right? Which means that there was still something left that was looking for an external connection. With Christ, I don't know. Right? He'd been voicing it for our benefit. Um, may not actually even have ever happened, but that's another that's that, that's another story. So what happens at that moment, right? You know, at my age, I I looking at my, you know, my sons are grown. They're completely on it. They take care of themselves, right? I mean, they haven't needed me forever. I'm obsolete, right? In terms of the human world, I'm obsolete, right? You know, I do this, <laughs> right? I do, do this. But, all, but I look all of the little things in uh, life. You know, I don't have a partner. I, I live alone. I do, I, I do things, things. It's like, now, this is not saying I'm going to die soon, because I don't think I am. I think I'm going to be around for a while. And so all the doctors who, who examine me say, you're going to be around for a while. Yeah. Um, but there's a natural progression in anybody's, in anybody's life. And it can happen earlier or late. I've had several times in my life, even when I was much younger, I was like, what if this is it? Right? What if this is over? Clearly, I was 19, which led to the, the, the first major breakthrough. Um, we, we kind of start to let go of things. We just kind of let go of the little, the play, all the attachments, because they are going to go anyway. And we can't force ourselves to let go of attachments, but life brings us to places where we do. So I can't breathe. Okay, well, what, maybe this is it. Maybe this is my last breath. It's going to happen sometime. Maybe this is it. Maybe it's right on Maybe I'm going to have a heart attack. Okay. Maybe I'm going to have a heart attack. I, I'm not going to fret it. I, it. You use it as an opportunity to surrender to the moment. We have this idea that somehow it's all supposed to be rosy. Why? We're all going to die. <laughs> right? Every, everybody is going to stop functioning. So it behooves us to say, okay, well, let's let go of whatever I can let go of. What isn't me? Because the only thing that can die is that which is not you. That's it. You can't. You can't die. We think we can. And so something, you know, you know, I'm, I'm talking now about the ultimate expiration date, right? Um, on the body, but so many things in our lives have passed away. They've just kind of passed out of existence. They're not there anymore. We don't experience them anymore. You know, aspects of ourselves, beliefs about ourselves. You know, this is not the body I had 50 years ago. 
thank God. <laughs> and so, so it, it's a matter of like, of really, okay, why are you here? Right? Maybe you're the final moment. Okay, maybe you're not. But, but that too, notice that's something I'm just kind of projecting on it. I don't know. What is this moment? Just as it is. I can't breathe. It's really hard. When you, and then things will happen, right? The, the body will do something. It'll put itself in a different position. It'll call 911. It'll, 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 it'll do something for it. The body will take care of it right? until it's time. And the body will know, no, no, this is it. We're done. And let go. The body's not holding on to anything. It's quite happy with the because it's, it's just a pattern of energy. It doesn't have a sense of mortality. That's completely made up, <laughs> completely made up in the mind. Right? So that that just being present with whatever happens to be here, be it a, a, an emotional feeling, a very powerful emotional feeling, be it a, a, a really annoying thought pattern, be it a uh, be it a physical condition. It could be all sorts of things. <laughs> it's just the same kind of disposition, right? I'm a one-trick pony. It's one answer to all questions, yes. You just kind of be present with it. And if you can, it's not always possible, but if you can, also pay attention to yourself being aware of it. And notice that the awareness of it isn't fluctuating with it. The, the, the pain or constriction or heaviness you're feeling is in the awareness, but it's not affecting it. And when that feeling or that pain or something dissipates, it goes away, the awareness is aware of that. It's not touched by any of these. This is such a profound thing to grasp because which of those are you? That which is coming and going and fluctuating and, and there and intense and then gone or the awareness that's been watching it? Did you go with it or were you the one watching it? You're obviously the awareness. That is who you really are, which will be there. When this body falls off, it will be there and watch it. And I go, wow, that was a good ride. There'll be a lot of feeling about, about it, and then you'll let it go, and there'll be this incredible peace. So let it go now. <laughs> let it go now. Because all the holding on was just part of the abyss that the mind created. Nothing ever happens to you. Hmm, Jen's. I'm a rather gloomy Schopenhauerian. Know <laughs> what? <laughs> you just answer in a scary way already. Life sucks and I see no ending. Is there a way out of it? Yeah, heaviness, thanks. Going to subside as the system adapts. You can read minds, right? <laughs> thanks, dear. Jens, Berlin, that guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> gloomy Schopenhauer. <laughs> Now what? 
in in a scary way. Yes, but okay. Let's even be gloomy. Let's let the gloom be there. Okay, is it there all the time? The very fact you use the term gloomy Schopenhauerian has got humor in it. It's not a gloomy. It's not a gloomy comment. It's actually quite light. Yeah. Life sucks. According to who? Right. That's that's the mindset. Life sucks. If there, if that thought, life sucks, never occurred to you, would it suck? <laughs> we have to realize that we're creating a different world that actually exists. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Going to subside as the system adapts. Only if you allow the system to adapt by not forming a relationship that wants it to adapt. This is very subtle stuff. Right? But the system will respond to you. Right? If you simply let it be there and you are not creating an artificial relationship with all the stuff, it'll just, it won't touch it. It won't care. Life won't suck. It's just life as it comes and it doesn't have any issues. But if we make an issue out of it, that's what holds the, the that that's what that's what holds the 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 heaviness. Right? Why is life heavy? It's the mind that says it's heavy. Schopenhauer says it's heavy. It's Nietzsche who says it's heavy. Right? Is it really heavy, or is this just a bunch of thoughts we collected? And sometimes, when they're deep philosophical thoughts, there's a there's a lot. There's there's a lot of pride attached to them, right? Because I've got this, you know, this this you know this 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 gloomy Kierkegaardian view of things, right? It, it, but it's just a view. <laughs> That's all it is. Right? It, it, and it's as and it's as unreal as the Pollyannish view. Life just is what it is. And and if you if you form no relationship other than that and see it as it is, you live in peace with it. Because you've got no issue with it. There's, you're taking no position. You've taken no form to become somebody. right? And then you truly are the I am that knows it's the I am. Hmm. Caroline. Hello, Caroline. I have insomnia due to COVID. Can I shift this perception? Y yes. Somnia is something that responds very well to tapping, that I've, I've found. Um, but if you tap correctly with it, if you tap trying to get rid of it, you do this. You create an energy. Right? And this is really kind of a, it sounds like a strange thing to do, but to actually just say yes to the insomnia. Right? You might as well. It's happening anyway. Right? And it, it may directly be caused by COVID, or maybe the COVID created some kind of shift in the nervous system that made you want to be more vigilant. Right? We're not going to be able to figure out why the system is on guard to the point where it's got insomnia. Maybe, okay, if I stay awake, I won't get COVID again. It could be that. Right? I wouldn't know unless I, unless I went in more surgically with you, and I'm not getting a direct feeling right now. Of what that might of, of of what that might be, but I know that that the insomnia is some kind of a state of alertness where the the body doesn't want to sleep. 
I saw a lot of that with um, PTS, uh, PTSD with combat veterans because under the horrible conditions where sleep was never really restful, um, they, they acquired insomnia when they, when they came back because there was always this idea that somehow they're going to be interrupted and have to go on patrol or somebody was going to attack or something like that. So it's, it, it's just in a heightened state of alertness. So don't make it an enemy because that will increase its alertness because now it has to defend against you, but instead become a friend. Okay, we need rest. Obviously, we, we all need rest. And you don't think it's safe. How can I make it safe for you? And I would use tapping on it to, because tapping conveys safety through touch and the body responds to that. It just works on various comfort spots that, that are, are nothing, nothing really esoteric or, 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 or special magic about it. Um, so, um, yeah, that's the way to approach it. Just the way I, I, I was talking to, to others about the heaviness and, well, Stephanie and the heaviness, Mary about the stuff in the body. We have to shift our relationship. As long as we're trying to get rid of stuff, we're creating an inner tension, right? And that inner tension actually sustains the very thing that, that we're hoping to get rid of. It doesn't work, right? But acceptance does, right? And, and acceptance also has in it self-love. Maybe it's there for a reason. So what do you have to say, right? Believe me, when it has determined that it no longer needs that level of alertness, it will let go and fall into deep sleep. You can, you can question that too. So what, what happens if I fall asleep? What's going to happen to me if I fall asleep? Where, what is the danger that could possibly be there? And if you do that, if you inquire like that with a, des a deep desire to truly know, rather than a, a masked desire to simply get rid of it, oftentimes people will practice allowing, something I teach a lot about. Um, uh, and it's really just a veil. Okay, if I allow it, will it go away? <laughs> which is exact. What you're actually doing is, 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 a, is a covert, a clandestine uh, rejection. Really want to know, okay, you're here for a reason. Something inside of me is really disturbed. All right, let's, let's look together and be really present with it. It's the most loving and honoring thing you can do. And it has a profound healing effect. Because once you've created a safe space inside, whatever it is, that is holding on so tightly can loosen up a bit. When it loosens up, what happens? The energy begins to flow and things will come up, sometimes disturbing things, but they're coming up on their way out. They're not coming up with the intention to disturb. They're, they're coming up because they have to be acknowledged so that they can be released. It's the basic foundation of energy healing, at least the way I do it. <laughs> Zigligets. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can't pronounce that name. <laughs> ZZ Licks? Anyway, hi, GP. <clears throat> I've been hoping to create a romantic relationship in my life for the longest time. I'm aware I have resistance regarding trust. I've tro tried loads of IR, but still nothing. Can you help, please? Oh, how sweet. Yes. Um, 
When you're practicing IR, for those of you who don't know, that stands for inner reconciliation a process, a, a process, a, a, a pre and post awakening sadhana I created um, that, that, um, that shifts this relationship with our, with our inner world and, and lays the groundwork for having deep, the kind of deep insights that are, can be regarded as an awakening. So you, the first thing to do is let go of inner reconciliation is not a self-help technique. So the moment I'm using it in order to try to get a particular result, it won't work, right? So the result you want to get is creating a romantic relationship. And of course, that's great. It's wonderful. You know, we should have them. We love them. We were meant to have them. That's why there's genders, right? It's, it's kind of built in. So it's the most natural thing in the world to, to want. And, and so you just kind of cherish that as a very natural desire. That's where it starts, right? And now you say, but I don't have it. And of course, it's a powerful desire inside us. And so, yes, it is going to say, well, make us go, well, why? What's getting in the way? Why can't I have it? And we say things, I have resistance because, because I don't really trust. I've had bad experiences in the past. I don't want to have another bad, bad experience. Okay, if I try this and, and, and I'll work on that. And what's happening is because you haven't really been clear about the relationship with the desire, everything you do, you've got, you're, you're focused your attention, you're doing the inner work, but one eye is always looking to see, has it happened yet? which means the energy is diffused. You're not really present in what's happening right now, right in this moment. And, and, and what that does is it makes all the processes you're doing a means to an end. And so everything will be judged from that point of view. So if there is some little breakthrough that comes up, immediately you go, did it work? Okay, I'm going to wait a couple of days. Maybe, maybe, maybe he'll show up, right? I'm assuming I think... Think you think you're a female, or maybe a male. It doesn't matter. They'll show up. Whoever they are will show up, right? And then and then they don't. You go. Oh. Then you double down, right? Like something was wrong. It's always an assessment, right? Well, that's that's the big mistake. Don't don't assess anything. The only thing that matters is right here, right in this moment. What's present in this moment, right? <clears throat> What's present in this moment is the desire for that, for the for the fulfillment of that kind of intimacy, the romantic relationship, and it's wonderful, right? <laughs> Who doesn't like it? Okay, <laughs> show of hands. Anybody not like it? Okay, good. So, just be present with that desire. Now, don't do anything with it. Don't try to grab onto it. Don't try to push it away. Don't try to manifest it. Don't try to visualize anything. Just notice that the desire is there. By the way, you didn't create that desire, did you? Okay. It just happened. You didn't sit down. You know, I think I'm going to really, I think I'm going to work on having a desire for a really great relationship. Nobody does that. And think of all, how many desires in your life. None of, you didn't create any of them. They just arose very naturally because they're part of life. Okay, good. So this desire is there. It's just there. Didn't create it. It's just there. All right. 
now that desire arises and all this other stuff comes. Oh, I really want that. I really, it comes into this environment that's going, that's really grabbing on it or pushing on it. It's like, God, what do I, I don't want to be here. This, this place sucks. Okay. So instead just, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. What a great desire. Yeah. And every desire wants to fulfill itself. There's a powerful energy there. Great. Good. Now there's also another uh, feeling there, which is like, can I have that? Is it going to happen for me? What if it doesn't happen? Now, the, the desire has already happened. And believe me, if it's going to fulfill itself, the energy of fulfillment is in the energy of the desire. It would have to be. Because if it wasn't, something else would come along that had nothing to do with it, and it wouldn't be fulfilling. So the fulfillment and the desire are one thing. And they've got a life of their own, and you don't have to have to get in the way of it or interfere with it. You're just there's another course I did called the, Your Four Amazing Powers of Creation, um, and in it I use the, the the metaphor that you are not the desire, nor are you responsible for it. You're simply the garden in which it grows. It's appeared in you, right? And you can either grab and try to take control over it. Or you can just let it be, appreciate it, nurture it, and let it be whatever it's going to be. Like the child, you have a child, and you don't know what it's going to be. Your job is to just nurture it, take care of it, encourage it, and and be and be wondrously, miraculously amazed at what it becomes. Because you don't know. Right? You don't really know what this is. And so be present with the feeling right here, right now. And when you're present with it, you'll notice other stuff will come up. Thoughts about it will come up. Some thoughts will try to suppress it. Now, if you feel something resisting it, trying to push it away, go, oh, okay. Who are you? Why is this a threat to you? Why do you think this is a problem? Well, look what's happened before. You've never made good choices. You know, they've, they've, all, they've, they've, all, they've all turned out horribly. They didn't take good care of you. You didn't get your needs met. Why, try, why bother trying to do this again? Right? And you, you know, you're right. I don't want to experience that. I don't want to experience any of that stuff again. And you're right. One way to not experience it is to just never have it. True, right? But I didn't create this desire. It's just here. So is there a way? that I can have this without any of this stuff happening? Is there a way we can work it out so I can be both safe and free, both, both, both in myself and in relationship at the same time? Now, if the answer is no, okay. If it really is no, if there really is no, you know, I'd rather, I don't want to experience any of that stuff again. You know, maybe I'll, a little, you know, friends with benefits or something. But I, but I really don't want to invest all of that and then have it go south again. I really don't. So if it's not possible for any other way, I accept that. That's a reconciliation. But if it is possible, I want that. Now, I don't know whether it is or not. Now, notice, I haven't made it a problem anywhere along the line here. I haven't said you have to have it, you don't, you, you don't have it. You have to make it happen, you have to figure it out. 
I've stepped away from that and I'm sitting in this third position to go, you know what? If it can, I'm up for it. But if it can't, okay, I accept it. And, and I'll move on. And I'll just let this energy be there. And maybe this energy will find creative expression in something else. And that's okay too. But now you see, now you've reconciled with it. Right? Because there's no more pressure to make something happen. Right? And it's all right happening right in this moment. You have not denied or dishonored any of your feelings. You've created no inner conflict. On the contrary, you've, you've, you've reconciled with it. So there is no conflict. And now the energy is free to do what it can. So because the, the inner energy now is so safe, believe me, all of the resistant parts are going, hmm, well, maybe we can't. Is there a way? Now, at first they may be really written, no, there isn't. We tried, right? But, it, but if you're just sitting there, just, okay, well, then I, I accept that, right? But what if there is? And because there's other desires there too. And well, there's nothing I can do about it. So you guys work it out. <laughs> you should feel, uh, if you've been listening, taking that into your heart, you should feel a certain kind of, a, a kind of relief, a kind of, oh, wow, just you're, you're present now with it. There's not this, I've got to get it, I got to get it, I got to get it, which is really coming from a, just a deep feeling of lack. You can't have it, you can't have it, you can't have it. And it's neither of those now. It's, it's, it's a genuine uh, Taoist um, uh, harmonization with life, as it is. And now you are the witness to it, and you can watch it flow. And it will always flow in some incredibly beautiful and unexpected way. And that's how you really do a rec an inner reconciliation. Does that help? With the name that cannot be pronounced, Ligs. <laughs> Zaligs. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I hope that helped. Isabel, even though I'm working on loving myself and forgiving myself about all it was, uh, all I was put through my childhood and life, I am so much better with all of it but at times, a situation brings that feeling of abandonment and rejected again from all around me. I'm sending love for the, the lesson or light on that that kept my attention. But is there a way to do it deeper, to get, to get ready? You mean get ready of it or ready for it? Let's see if she says something. Oh, more adult sites. Hi, guys. Away you go. Okay. Um, See, oh geez, I'm not going to get to all these questions today. <laughs> wow, what a long list. Ready, ready of it. Sorry, it's either ready for it or, re okay, ready, ready for it, you mean. Yes, yes. Uh, first thing, no, um, to be ready, know that it's going to happen. Because <laughs> it will. Right. Yeah. You know, look, you know, the, when I talk about the programming of the nervous system, right, it's not one program. It's a gazillion of them. The nervous system has put behaviors and attitudes and and reactions in place for all sorts of different things to try to cover absolutely everything that could possibly happen. 
<laughs> that's what it does. That's that's its adaptation. So it wants to plan in advance. So if this happens, this is what I do, right? And and if 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 something unexpected happens, it it very quickly tries to get as close as it can to something that you had happened before, so it knows how to respond. For what reason? To keep you safe. Simple as that. Simple as that, right? So now, as we get as we get more and more willing to be present with our feelings, right? That is diffusing a lot of these triggers. The, the, it's need for the, the strict uh, programmed response that it had had before isn't as needed anymore because you're, for one, much more safe. So it doesn't need all the ones that was holding on to because of you, right? And that also takes with it all sorts. Of, you'll you'll notice how that it's easier to you're less reactive with other people, but that doesn't mean they're all gone. You know, in the in the word processing programs like Microsoft Word and Pages, right? For for Mac, I'm a Mac user, so um, you probably didn't realize it, but like 95 to 98 percent of what can be done in those programs never gets done. There's a tiny percentage of people like power users who actually use more. Nobody uses everything that it can do. That's why you'll accidentally hit a particular set of keystrokes and it'll do something. Go, where did that come from? Right? What it means is that the full range of possible reactions, what is a program, but a preset, uh, a preset set of reactions to a given event. So I hit this key, this happens. Right? That's all it is. If that key never gets hit, it never happens. But the program is still there. Now, in the process of this inner work, this inner reconciliation, you're dismantling all of these pre-programmed responses. Right? Some of them, and, and the beauty of it is, is that you, a bunch of them all at once, because they are all based around particular kinds of events and nuances and stuff, uh, stuff of the events. Right, it, it, it's complex, but but it 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 always boils down to a simple theme: Am I safe? The more safe you are, the less it needs these, and it just is dismantling them. But times will happen; it'll come up, and that button will get pushed. Right? Now, here's in that situation to be ready for it. You go, yay! The button was pushed. This is making me feel abandoned. Let me be totally present. And notice the reaction is because this is the program, I want to get away from it. That's the program. But it's a feeling of abandonment. What does it want to do? I want to get away from that feeling of abandonment, right? It isn't just I'm feeling it. I've got to act on it. That's what a programmed response is. Event happens, triggers, boom, an action has to take place to either to avoid it or you know take advantage of the opportunity, whatever it might be. So you know it's going to happen. So when it happens... You go, oh, ah, there it is, that feeling of abandonment. Oh, and there's the feeling of wanting to get rid of the feeling of abandonment. Oh, and there's the guilt about I should be further along now. And, oh, there's what did I do? What did G say I'm supposed to do? <laughs> I completely forgot. <laughs> and all of that is part of the program response. You go, oh, there it is. Okay. And there's all this other stuff happening. It's just like a tsunami of things that are happening. There's lots of feelings and reactions, that sort of stuff. And then you remember, yes, but I'm watching them. And they can't even, they won't, wouldn't have an effect if I wasn't here watching them. 
So my watching of them, my awareness of them hasn't, hasn't been touched by it. So I'm going to stay here and not get drawn into the, I'm just going to sit here and watch the fray, including the desire to fix it, change it, make it better, make it go away. That's part of the fray because that's what the program wants to do. Change it, fix it, make it go away. Boom. It's just the, the that's, that's what happens when that button gets pushed. But if you're sitting here and watching it and you let it happen, you don't give it any fresh energy, the need for all of those reactions to take place will dwindle until, oh, I don't need this button. Boom, throws it away. All because you remained present, conscious, compassionate, loving, and aware. You're just with it. And as you said, I'm so much better at it. Yeah. So let's go from just being so much better at it to being a master of it. So literally nothing bothers you because you know yourself as always seated in the throne of pure awareness and not moved by what's happening in awareness. Like the sky is not the least bit concerned about the hurricane going on. Be the sky. Whatever happens, the sky, it clears away. Has the sky been touched? Is it, left, is it left a mark? No, it's pure. It is absolutely what it was before it appeared. Be that. That's where the sense of identity goes to. Remember, this isn't so much about just trying to find a way to deprogram and, and, become, and become you know calm and equanimous. It's a way of finding your true position which and that will do the deprogramming. You don't get to peace by just deprogramming all this stuff because it won't it won't work. It'll just start creating new ones. You get to peace by discovering that you're sitting in the position of that which was never broken in the first place, has always been aware, and has never been touched by any of it. Right? And yes, attention will be pulled out of that. You may find yourself reacting to the abandonment. The moment you catch it, you go, thank you. Got it. Got it. And then just bring yourself back. If you have to literally stop what you're doing, do it. If you have to just take some deep breaths, slow yourself down, do it. It doesn't matter. Just just because, because the energy is going to want to continue to pull you into the reactive pattern of the of the. Um, uh, of the of of the program, as long as you stay aware, even if the pull is really strong, even if it gets you and you pull out, even if it's a if it's a tug war, I mean, well, I mean, it's fine, it's fine. With every with every withdrawal, you're getting stronger, right? And it's getting weaker. Okay. Does that help, Isabel? Beautiful question. Mary Sykes, you're on spot, G, G religious guilt. I'm on spot? Oh, that's new. <laughs> Isabel, I keep punishing myself with nonsense, and that prevents me to find true self and true meaning of my life. You, you can't find your true self, love. You are it. You are that. It is the true self that is watching as your, as your mind is going, I'm trying to find the true self. Because that's just a movement in mind. Mind says I'm not the true self and I've got to find it. That's the abyss. I'm not what I actually am, so I better find out. That's the abyss. 
That's it in a nutshell. You are that, and the mind keeps telling you you're not. If the village idiot tells you you're stupid, do you listen to him? <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. See, good. See, you caught it. We caught it together. We looked together and we caught it. Look, what's preventing you from finding the true self? Nothing. It's the truth self that's hearing my words right now. But the mind keeps telling you, oh, it's something else. It's you. <laughs> it's the one hearing me right now is the self. That's the godhood. That is Buddha nature. That is Christ consciousness. That is the great I am. It's you hearing me. Talk about the best place to hide. If I'm a god and I want to hide, where do I hide? Because I'm god. I know everywhere, right? Why? Well, right here. I trick myself into thinking I'm somewhere else and I play hide and seek with myself. <laughs> you are that, Isabel. Lovely. Oh, everybody hear that. That fundamental idea is the foundation of all of the things that I teach the yoga of lying, inner reconciliation, the all of it is that, right? Attempting to show you that. You are not that at all. You already are the self. And the mind has you looking everywhere but where you are. You are that. <clears throat> that which is hearing, feeling, looking. It's, that is the self. A.K.A. <laughs> you. Ah, Jens, I give you some guilt, yeah, and punishment. <laughs> if you don't solve my life issues now. <laughs> Beware, <laughs> beware, <laughs> great scary dude. <laughs> the kitchens, <laughs> that's good. You know, that's <clears throat> that's an awful lot of humor for a Chopin, Schopenhauer. In the, I don't know, I'm beginning to doubt what you had to say about that. Hello from Scotland, somebody on Facebook, the presence, the heart will do the work for you. I love that. That's why I love singing from my heart. Do, yes. Sing, just don't become a singer. Let the, let the singing happen. Don't form an identity around it. Just sing. I notice what, Mary, when I, I notice when stop striving so hard to achieve freedom, I feel myself drop down into my ordinary self. I have judged my ordinary self as being not good enough. Yes, the ordinary self, guess what? That's the self. <laughs> it's like a cosmic joke. I mean, it's a perfect game of hide-and-go-seek. <laughs> if you were going to play hide-and-go-seek with somebody, you had all sorts of different little, little, little powers, right? L more malleable. Where would be the best place to hide from somebody playing hide-and-go-seek? Right behind their eyeball. <laughs> yeah, and you notice that the self wasn't enough. Of course, that's part of your upbringing, right? No, you're not good. Sinful self, right? Ordinary self, sinful self, right? Got to be something else. You can't be what you... I mean, it really is the condemnation of God herself. When you stop searching for freedom, you find, oh, I am free. I am what I've been seeking the whole time. Oh, good Lord. Joke's on me. 
<laughs> My bad. Uh, hello, Jennifer. Hello, Merck. Greetings from the night, dark night in Sweden. It's so weird in these moments when you realize experientially that it's all me. I'm all alone, but there's no loneliness at all. The mind can't make sense of it, does not compute. Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm everything and I'm no one is scary to the mind. It's like, wait a minute, it's just all me? Well, then I, I'd be alone, I'd be bored. <laughs> uh, no, because it's not that kind of aloneness. It's oneness. There's a sense, the sense of other is only a sense, that only experiential. It's not actually an other. But the experience is there, and that's the richness of being. That's the dance. I mean, that's... Earlier, somebody talking about a, re a romantic relationship. Ligots, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, or ligs. Uh, what is that? It's the craving for oneness. It's our innate desire for oneness. And does oneness mean there's nobody, there's nothing here but me? That's the ego. That's, um, what do they call it? Solip solipsism. It, it, no. no. There is the myriad everything. It's all me, and I experience it as other. So there's, it's, it's the most perfect, magnificent thing you can imagine. It's everything. Complete and total unity and harmony, and yet infinite diversity and mode of expression. Anybody come up with a better idea? Let me know. <laughs> it's not so lazy. Brent, gee, it still feels like me that wakes up every morning and that which is aware of that me are two different things. Can you speak how to this illusory separation there? Thank you. You're welcome. Um, just recognize that it, it, it is an illusion and don't make a big deal out of it. That, that's the most important thing. There's a part of me now that's, I've got to break this down and you're, you're giving yourself a mission and putting your, and really putting pressure on yourself. Right? Just notice that it is there, right? There's a feeling that they are different. But isn't the feeling that they are different being experienced by the awareness of you? So is it okay to have that experience? Does it change the fact that they aren't two different things just because there's an experience of it? We don't have to change the experience. Right? That's not the result. The result is when we realize the experience of two can be there, and I'm not two. Oh, okay. So it's not a problem, is it? No. <laughs> no more abyss. I'm speeding up a little bit here because there's, there's a lot of stuff here. Eva, I'm, I'm listening to you. There are no questions, just deep pleasure of communing with wisdom and love. The overwhelming wave of gratitude has just come. Gratitude to this life, which gave me an opportunity. Just wanted to share with you, G, and everybody here. Beautiful. Ah, beautifully expressed, Deva. Thanks a lot. At least I trust the process more already. Very good. I see your point. True. The, the stuckidity belongs to the old ego. The feeling is old still. I see your point. It does feel so cramped up. Will that go? Yes. 
when you embrace it. And, and keep the attention on that which is aware of it, because that's the true I. And that true I is, a, is beyond I. Where's, where's an I when there's nothing else but I? It's moot. You don't need it. <laughs> How can you say I when that's all there is? Oh. And then go deep into the intuitive sense of being, which is the I prior to I. And then the absolute is prior to that, which I, nobody can even talk about. But thank you, Jens. No champagne yet. Nope. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That was quite a while, a while ago. I'm really behind here. Uh, sure did. Okay. Danke. Great stuff. Ah, danke dir. Rosario, thank you, Stephanie, for your question. He's had the same experience. Yeah, Stephanie, you've helped many people today. Uh, Jennifer wanted to share my newest conversation with Mouse at work. It was eating some decorative hay. <laughs> it ran around the display. I talked to it, and then it came out and sat calmly. I shared love with this little being. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes, most. Eh, eh. How would you feel? What would you do if you walked somewhere and somebody went, oh, look, yeah. I mean, you'd run. <laughs> what? Because they're, they're adorable. <laughs> uh, get your meaning, GP. But you're not obsolete to me. <laughs> I will be. I wish... Death was easy, an easy pill to swallow for all who grieve someone's death with everything else being equal. Yes, it, it, it's actually easier when you are the one who's died to let go than it is for those of us who are be left behind to let go of you. It actually is. Um, but this is the, the but it, it, it is a matter of really paying the right kind of homage to grief and let the grief run its course. And the more somebody meant to you, the deeper that grief is going to be. It, it, it simply means that there was true deep love. You know, the, the whole, we think of all relationships as, you know, the end being the fulfillment of it, right? Oh, I wanted this great love and then I got the great love. But that's not the end. It is, a, it is full circle. I had the great love. I wanted it. It was fulfilled. It, it, it matured. It grew. And then it died. And then another. This is Shiva's wheel. You can't avoid it. And if you think you can, it's, you know, that's kind of that metaphysical manifestation nonsense that it's always going to be rosy. It's not. Everything has a life cycle. And when this happens, the proper expression of the depth of the love is grief. And so you grieve. That's the honoring. <laughs> Damn it, mine sucks. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you, G, for another beautifully deep, poignant, and insightful thank. Satsang, the warmth and wisdom of your work and your presence are so deeply appreciated. Oh, I appreciate you too. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful answer, says Carolyn. Thank you, Rosalind. So letting go of, of, of the what is true. 
Can you elaborate the mind concept, how the car is a thing made up of moving parts? The mind is the space between self and awareness of the conscious and unconscious. All, all it means is that if you take away all the parts, do you have a car? If you take away the thoughts, do you have a mind? No. See, we imagine that a word mind is a thing in and of itself and that it has thoughts and it, or it generates thoughts, right? But there's no thing generating the thoughts, right? Like there's no car without the parts of the car. So, so you have to see that it's a word to represent all the parts, right? And, and they're just a temporary thing together. And so the, the, the same thing is true for the mind. It's just a, a word to indicate the flow of thoughts. So we can put mind outside and look at, whoa, what's making, we say, oh, the mind, my mind's doing it. The mind's not doing anything because there is no mind. It is just a word. What you are experiencing, if you just look closely, you won't see a mind except as a thought. Part of the flow of thoughts is the thought of mind. Oh, okay, there's just this flow of thoughts. Well, what are they? Some of you might be able to grasp this. Well, there's a thought of thoughts. What's the actual experience? Wow, there's images and sounds and, and things, every, all of these I genericize into thought. But okay, what is this thing? Oh, what it is is simply a wave of consciousness. It is consciousness right, manifesting itself. That's what, that's what we call thought is consciousness in its dynamic aspect. It is simply ripples of, 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 uh, of or vibrations waves in the infinite ocean of consciousness and you're the consciousness and yeah there are different kinds of forms and stuff like that but the whole universe is that thought is just one particular wavelength in the infinite wavelengths of 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 being all of which this is made out of consciousness so you see as you go further up into the realm of the abstract we talk about the, the car, our experience of the car is not the word car. It's right, maybe a cool car, maybe not. <laughs> maybe it's just transportation, right? Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's really, but that's the, the experience of it. And that entire experience and all its richness and nuance is summed up in one word. Right? You put the word aside and you get to the experience and you find the experience is totally fluid. And it's way more than could ever be captured in that word, even for a car, <laughs> let alone a body or a mind or, or any of that. Ah, thank you, GP, for your answer. It really helped. Does that mean I have, I have genuinely be okay with not getting a relationship in order to properly reconcile the energy? No, it doesn't. Just be present with what's here. That's that's comfort. There's an old school of releasing, of of uh, releasing, and the whole law of attraction thing. I have to be okay with it. Well, you're, there's a part of you that's not okay with it, and you have to be okay with that. You, you, all you're doing is being present with whatever is here, without taking sides, without trying to make one thing more important. Honoring everything. We got all these different feelings that are here. Right, okay. So I don't have to be okay in that sense. I, I, I allow them to be there. To allow them to be there and be curious about what they are is to be okay with it. And, 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 and one of the hooks it'll get, well, 
and this happens all the time. And this, boy, this was just epidemic in the whole law of attraction thing. Is well, that means if if I get to the point where I don't want it anymore, that it won't happen. Can you see the the double bind you put yourself in? That's a Chinese finger puzzle. You you can't get out of it, right? No, it means to be present with the fact that you desire it. That's it. And you don't have to not be okay with the desire of it. And the thought will come, what happens if you don't get it? Well, you go, well, that could happen. And okay, right? And there'll be nothing I can do about it. And the desire will still be there because I didn't create this desire. And if you're present with that, you realize that, oh, there's a big fear that, that I won't get my needs met. If you really look at it closely, you deepen more, and it's, there's more there than just the relationship. There's a fear of lack. There's a fear of not being enough. There's a fear of not having my needs met. There's a fear I'll, I'll be alone and abandoned and die. They're all, all of that is there. And if you if you be willing to be with it long enough, all of that stuff will come to the surface. And you'll know a, a greater freedom than just merely having that desire fulfilled will give you. A way greater freedom. And then eventually, when it serves the higher freedom, the relationship will happen. Because it will no longer be feeding or a, a filling of the lack. It will be a fulfilling of your wholeness. It'll come from you. It won't be coming to you. It won't, it won't be something you had to get. It will be something you give. Completely different. On the surface, it'll look like, oh, she got a boyfriend or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but that's what, not, what, it, what, not, what, not what the substance of it will be. Take that to heart, dear. Great satsang. Love you, GV. Love you too, Mary. Beautiful explanation. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom and knowledge. It certainly helps. Very good. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Hello, Kate. Let the singing happen. Thank you, GV. You're welcome. Lisa, I still find it a bit strange when I'm with a person in non-dual perspective was telling me that there is no one and so on. I mean, I've seen it, though, although... There's a feeling of a doer, but where, where's the point of staying in this non-dual in relationship to others? That, that's a great question, and that's why you'll never hear me say that. <laughs> because that's and the idea that there's no one. That is the mind that has appropriated non-dual language, but is still very, but is still very dualistic. There's no one here. Well, then who are we talking about? Who am I talking to? Who are you? It's so easy to poke a hole in that. There's nobody here. Okay, well then, you're not here. Well, have a nice day. <laughs> oh, you're into non-duality? Well, that makes two of us. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's as if they try to think duality doesn't exist. Remember, there could only be non-duality, non, if there was duality. They too are within this realm. Pure non-duality is beyond all of it. And, it's not that the, it, it's beyond existence and non-existence. It's beyond one and beyond uh, many. You can't say there's nobody here and you can't say there's everybody here. It, it is the one that is many. And so you embrace everything which is diverse and dual as the one. 
And so now, now you have the, it, it's the best of both worlds. Right? There is no experience without duality. Without, op without the play of op opposites, there is no experience. Without that, the infinite one would have no knowledge of themselves. There'd be no self-expression whatsoever, which would mean there was no self. It would be an infinite hell. <laughs> but the truth is, it expresses itself. How does it express itself? It creates duality, which isn't dualistic because you don't actually have two things that exist. You have two aspects of one thing. It's like pure white light you can't see, right? <clears throat> Between you and the computer right now is pure white light. If there wasn't, <laughs> you couldn't see the computer, right? <laughs> if it was, if you could see that pure light, but what what what's happening is through that because there's light all around this room, right? Through that, certain wavelengths of the light are 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 withdrawn, are held back, and some go forward, and so an object appears in the light. And what are you seeing? You're seeing different modulations of the same light. So it is one and many at the same time. It's dual and non-dual. This is the real nature of not two. That's why Advaita means not two. Because you can't say it's one, you can't say it's two. You just say, well, it's not two. <laughs> it's not many. Is it one? Well, it's not many. <laughs> because you're trying to get out of the numeric thing, right? You know, somebody says there's there's no there's no one here and, and there's nothing to do. It's all an illusion. It, there's truth in it, of course. Right? And as a pointer to get to, 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 to truly grasp the non-dual side, if you do that without rejecting the dual side, you see that they are two sides of the same transcendent, incomparable, inscrutable whole. Does that help? Does that help, Lisa? Thank you for bringing that question. It's such an important one. Oh, there's the dating site again. Boy, the bots are busy today. <laughs> Whatever, I gotta write down that link. <laughs> uh, aren't we here to express our individual being? And so, yes, yeah. I think I answered answered it from before. So feeling like nothing all the time? No, don't feel like nothing. Of course not. What does nothing feel like? That's nonsense. It is emptiness that is feeling everything. Notice that all the feelings are coming and going. That which is having the feelings is not coming and going. That's the non-dual, and the feelings are the, are the dual. And what's wrong with the feelings? Nothing. <laughs> as long as you don't mistake the feelings for yourself, get attached to them, and then feel yourself going up and down with them. And even that is just a sense, the sense of there being two, the dualistic sense, meaning that what I'm experiencing is somehow different from me. That's the 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 dualist the, the the dualistic experience that needs to be transcended. It's not that. It's not that there's no one here. It's not that there isn't beauty to the experience of life. It's just what is experiencing it is non-dual. You are non-dual. The that the the awareness of it, but then you realize that what I'm aware of is nothing more than the manifestation of myself. And so the one and the many are one, are not two. 
Ah, oh, beautiful. Yes, Lisa, you are here to express that individuality. And in fact, the more you know that you are infinitely more than the individuality, you actually liberate the individuality because it's no longer contained by this tiny little feeling of the ego, which is an imposition on the infinite value of every single individual because every single individual is the infinite self reflected in a single thing. It's the infinite in the finite. It is the timeless in time. I use the example of music and the song, right? The, the totality of the beauty of music is present in every single song, and yet not limited to that song. So your individuality is the song of God, and it's God, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? Boom, you cannot separate them. And, and, and if, if there's a subtle sense of separation, they'll say, well, there's nobody here, right? Uh, in, in, if, if this was the old time Zen, they would just get a big stick upside the head. <laughs> At last, how do I know if they are abiding? How, how does one know if, if they are abiding in the I am or just I correctly? Or leaving what is behind, I am up to God. I see, GP. Thank you. You're welcome, Lisa. Um, at 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 Lassius, at Lassius. Um, don't try to know it here, because that's it'll just the mind will just keep building more abysses. <laughs> it'll just keep b building more more. Um, it'll build all sorts of of canyons, and then and then start making bridges. <laughs> Don't need to worry. Don't need to. Don't need to worry about that. Right? Instead, put your attention on simply the sense of being. Just notice that there's that there's all sorts of stuff going on, including the desire to understand the I am or the egoic I, right? And not without figuring it out, because the the ego isn't a thing that is self-aware, so it can't answer the question. The mind isn't a thing that's self-aware. It's just it's just habitual thoughts, so that can't answer the question. So who's going to know whether it's the I am or not? Well, the I am. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> right? Only truth recognizes truth. Right? What can be aware other than awareness? So are you aware? That's the I am. It's that simple. And now, no matter what you are aware of, the awareness has to be there first. Right? So even if you're aware of this I and this question, which is the real I, what is aware of that? And where are you? Are you, are you in, that, in, the, in the question and all wrapped up in that? Or are you the one aware that the question's even happening? Oh, where's the I, right? The true I is the one that's aware. And isn't that you? The one that's hearing my words right now, right? Not what the mind says, well, no, the one that's hearing the words I know, that's just, Kate, I'm just doing this and that right there. Was that Kate? Ask that question or somebody else? Or, or, uh, oh, no, at last, yes. Um, oh, no, you're just that. You're not, you're not that. Oh, that's really big. No, 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 no. That's the mind telling you you're not the self. But what other than the self could, could know itself? What other than awareness could be aware? You're it. <laughs> Tag. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy, the questions are 
are still coming. Uh, how do we get through? Uh, okay, no more. <laughs> I love your music metaphors. So great. You're welcome, Kate. <laughs> Lisa, you're the best. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Uh, I always take notes of what you say and what comes up with me, even when you say, and today was the most I ever took. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> you're welcome. Priya, last question. What is the purpose of our existence? Society is centered on dualistic way of being and non-dualism makes our way of life meaningless given how society is shaped. How do we get through life knowing this? Ah, Priya. Great question to end on. And this will be the last question. So any busy fingers out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay. The purpose, there is a purpose to every existence, right? God is not purposeless. Life is not purposeless, right? There's no ultimate absolute purpose, right? That everything in life is serving some great God and his plan for everything. But is there not purpose in you just coming here to be with me today? And is there not purpose in me coming here to be with you? And is it is is it such a small thing that it's it's a purpose that lasts for a couple hours and then it ends? And then there's a lingering sense, right, of the fulfillment of that purpose in in how it is how it has touched you and how it's touched me and how we've blessed each other. It isn't so purpose doesn't have to be this huge overarching arching thing. Right, the the dualism without non-dualism. Right, your questions relate to what I call the the duality that has lost touch with its non-duality, <laughs> which is kind of like the song losing touch with music, right? which you can only do in belief. You can't really do it, right? And also the other one being the 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 non-duality that's lost touch with its own self-expression. I mean, it's like a pianist without a piano. It would be just miserable, right? And so non-dualism doesn't say life is meaningless. It doesn't. A lot of people have said that, and a lot of people who, are, who take issue with it claim that, but it's not true. <laughs> it, it, there's, there's no truth in it whatsoever doesn't make life meaningless. Exactly the opposite. It makes life incredibly meaningful because every single moment is God made manifest. Every single moment. I don't know if you heard the guy, the guy yelling, my neighbor's got a dog. The dog, it's the same every day. <laughs> but, the, but the dog, and he yells at the dog. <laughs> Poor dog. <laughs> It's not the dog's fault, buddy. Mm, take a look in the mirror. Anyway, so uh, you don't have to get through life knowing this. You have to see that it's not true. <laughs> it, is your life meaningless? I mean, I mean, really. I mean, our minds want to go to this ultimate, ah, the great purpose in the sky. As if, but the purpose isn't out there in the sky. It's not something you serve. Your purpose is, is you, what you're doing right now. To live, to be, to love, to to enjoy, to celebrate, to, to to know to know happiness, to know grief, to know love, 
to, to hold, to give, to lose, to win. That's the purpose. That's the full expression of everything. And non-dualism is simply the recognition that there's an essence to that that's unmoving. But that unmoving essence is not static. It's dynamic. And when it's in its dynamic aspect, it is everything and everyone. Knowing that means that when I'm looking at something, the, du the, the false duality is I think I'm looking at something else and it's got its own nature and it's, it's, like, it's like this isolated little thing. And then we feel like I'm an isolated little thing. That's the false sense of duality. When the true sense of duality dawns, it means that it's not, I'm not an isolated thing. I'm not an isolated thing in a world of isolating things. I'm one aspect. I, I'm one, one frequency range of that infinite light. The infinite light itself is the singularity, the oneness, that which is invisible, right? That which nobody can see, touch, or imagine. Right? Nobody can conceive of pure white light. Right? I am that light. But this body, this body-mind, this particular individual manifestation is one, one beautiful, perfect, original, one-of-a-kind vibration or frequency of that light. So your nature is light. The character that is expressed is an aspect of that light. And so the two are one. But there are two, and there is one, and, and you can't separate them. They're not two. Society has simply, be, has simply become completely uh, immersed in the false sense of duality, the duality that has been, that has, it's, it's like they took the water, of, of the water, took away the fountain, and wondering why the water isn't working. You, you can't take away something from its source um, and have it even exist, which means that it's been removed from the source only in belief, and so the mind creates an abyss. It creates a world that doesn't really exist. A bunch of people, and we have conflicts, and I've got to get them before they get me, completely not, uh, uh, ignorant of the fact that we are one and the same being. Right? We are different aspects of the same being. We are two faces on the same soul. You and I are one, period. So there is no separation between you and I. There's no teacher and student, you know, guru and disciple. There's, there's none of that. And so to see that, that's the true not-to-ness. Otherwise, the mind makes it, oh, non-dualism, that's nothing exists, there's only this. You can see how, and it's cold. Buddha is accused of nihilism for this very reason. It's cold, it's empty. It doesn't feel right. How could that possibly be right? It feels like shit. <laughs> really? The truth feels like shit? Is that really? I, I, you know intuitively, oh, this is, this is screwed. No, this isn't right. You know that intuitively. And guess what? You're right, it isn't. Nothing that felt, feels that horrible could be the truth. My God, it, that would be eternal suffering. <laughs> so, yeah, reject that idea. It's nonsense. And, and you know, somebody comes up with that and say, you ask them, are you happy? <laughs> be happy. The true 
The true understanding brings happiness, contentment, peace, stillness. That is the perfume of true of the true non-dual perspective, which includes the dual, does not exclude it. In fact, the true non-dual perspective is beyond dual and non-dual. Because obviously those are opposites that we talk about, right? And we couldn't talk about them without them being opposites because we can't talk about that which has no second, nothing to compare it to. Oh, Priya, is that good? Got here in time. Thanks, GP. You're welcome. Is that good? This is such an important thing. Why, Guru? Thank you, G. <laughs> Namaste to you, Jennifer. This is so important. It's a bit of a pet peeve of mine because I see so much misunderstanding of what this is. And I would have gotten locked into it too were it not for Zen Buddhism and opened my eyes to that. And then I saw the true meaning and then the meaning of Nirzigadatta and Ramana and Buddha and all of a sudden, oh my God, how could I possibly have missed this? The fullness and wholeness and beauty of life, human life, the human being, the ordinary human being is the Buddha. That's you. All right, everyone. I love you all. Till next time. Namaste.